Good morning, Radiate. What's going on? I hope you are having an amazing, amazing Sunday and things are going really well. Thank you so much for jumping in with us uh, as we've had just an awesome service already today. Some amazing worship. Our hosts have done an incredible job uh, just just helping us know what's going on and, and what we can do to help make a difference. Man, I love the fact that you guys are so bought in uh, to the vision of this church and the vision of what God's doing and generosity that we've been able to help feed a family of seven this week because of your generosity. Man, that's what it's all about, right? I love uh, the fact that we get to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. It's, it's just an incredible thing that we get to be a part of this. We can do more together than we ever could apart. And uh, so the more that we uh, unify together and we solidify together for the same goal, for the same purpose, for the same reason, uh, we can make a bigger difference. And so I'm just grateful. Thank you for being here. Um, as you know, there's a lot going on in our world right now. Um, there's a lot between COVID-19 and racial inequality and protesting and so many other things that are happening and uh, we, we, in our world, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, acknowledge some of that stuff and talk about our response to it. So we had a great conversation uh, this past Wednesday uh, at our midweek conversation with Pastor Lorenzo White from Father's House Ministries right here in our hometown in our home county. Uh, about uh, race, religion, and our response to those things. And uh, I just want to say again, thank you for jumping on in that. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you, Pastor Lorenzo, for sharing your story, your stance. Thank you for being a part of the conversation of a bridge and a move forward. I just want to say at Radiate Church, uh, we have a phrase that we have used literally for eight years of our existence. Since we started, we've had one phrase that we've said over and over and over again, and it's this phrase, you matter. You matter. And I want you to know something, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are today, because we have people that watch our digital stream all across our great country. I want you to know something. You matter. Uh, you matter doesn't depend on, that statement doesn't depend on a race. It doesn't depend on a socioeconomic status. In fact, I believe any mindset of racism or devaluing uh, the worth of any other individual is sinful. And it's far from the heart of God. And that's why our phrase is, you matter. Because we love you no matter what. Uh, we're here with you and we stand with you no matter what. Because we believe everybody has purpose. That the thing that doesn't bring us together is not uh, just skin color and uh, like-minded opinions. But it's the blood that runs through our veins. And it's the very creation. When Ephesians said, the Lord said this in Ephesians, that um, before the foundations of the world... Before the foundations of the world were created, he had you in mind. He had a purpose in your heart. And I believe that for you. I believe that for you. I don't care. Um, I don't care what you were mixed up in last night. I, here's what I know. There's purpose in your life. I don't care what race you are. There's purpose in your life. I don't care how much money you give. I, I, there's purpose in your life. And my job and my goal is to look and say, we will unlock purpose the purpose of God in each individual's life, and we will watch them walk out their purposes. And that's what we're going to do. And so at Radiate Church, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me loud, and I want you to hear me proud. At Radiate Church in Kershaw County, in Elgin, South Carolina, and any other campus that's ever going to happen through Radiate Church, I want you to know when we go there, you matter. 
You matter. You have a purpose. You have a plan. God loves you. We love you. We're going to make a difference, and we're going to walk this bridge. We're going to make a bridge. We're going to walk over it to see people united together so that we can change this world. It's going to happen. And uh, I'm just grateful that we serve a church uh, and we serve uh, a kingdom that when things are shaking around us, Hebrews tells us that we're a part of a kingdom that will never be shaken. I know things are shaking right now and it's frustrating and it's difficult to understand, but we are a part of a kingdom through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that will never, ever, ever be shaken. And I am so grateful for that. And so I want you to know, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, No matter what you do, no matter how much money you make, no matter your past, you matter. You matter to us and you matter to God and we love you. Now, we've been in this series called Pivot and what what a, what a, I guess, a pivotal series it's been in such a turbulent time. We're having this conversation about not just how do we survive, but how do we thrive when things suddenly change. Uh, I know you're sitting at home today and you feel like things are changing quickly. Things are changing suddenly. Uh, That's part of why you see so much unrest because when things begin to get challenged that we're used to and we're comfortable in, it creates unrest and it creates difficulty and pain and frustration. And so where we're at is we have to learn how to thrive. So we've been in this series, we've been looking at a man named the Apostle Paul he wrote a large portion of the New Testament. He sent many letters uh, to churches that he helped plant. He helped develop leaders. Uh, he was an advocate for the kingdom of God. But before that, he was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus persecuted the ideology of Jesus. He persecuted the radical nature of Christians that gave their life to a man named Jesus that was the Messiah. Paul, uh, Saul was born Jew, and so he believed Jesus was not the Messiah. And the only way to eradicate this ideology that was sweeping the land called Christianity through Jesus was through persecution and termination of people. And so he comes, and then he has this experience with God at the Damascus Road. Um, it's famously known very creatively as the Damascus Road experience. He has this experience with God at Damascus Road. He leaves his Jewish ideology and accepts Jesus as the Messiah and um, turns his life over, begins planting churches, developing leaders, and mentoring people to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere that they go and everywhere that he goes. And Paul's life was honestly uh, just one big, huge series of pivots. He had to pivot. Here's what a pivot is. A pivot is when you're facing one direction, and when things change suddenly, you begin to, ch- to face another direction. You do what you have to do to face another direction. And, and the direction you're facing matters because that's the direction in which you'll move to get to your destination. So if I'm facing this direction, but I need to go this way, then I have to pivot to turn this way to go there. And so we've got to learn that when things pivot, when things change suddenly, we have to learn to pivot to get in the right uh, flow, in the right direction of where we're going. Now, remember Saul. Saul was a persecutor of the ideology of Jesus. He was a persecutor of Christians. He was a persecutor and, and, and terminator, if you will, of all these things, right? And so I want to tell you about one of the greatest pivots Paul ever had in his entire life. And it's a pivot that you and I have to decide if we're going to make today. Not tomorrow, today. 
I, I think one of the one of the dangers we can have is we join together digitally, and I love doing this, but one of the dangers we can have is we can get so complacent watching a screen that we forget to engage in the gospel. Let me say that again. We can get so complacent watching a screen that we forget to engage in the gospel. We have to make a decision, and I'm telling you, we don't get to make this decision tomorrow. We have to start making this decision today, and it's this pivot. It's the pivot of love. It's the pivot of love. Now, I always have an illustration for you, but here's my illustration today. If you want to see what it looks like to not have the pivot of love toward all mankind, just look at what's going on in the world today. There's your illustration. Division. Hatred, pain, anger, that's our illustration. The world is our illustration to go, I have to pivot in a way of love. Maybe you're going, I, I, I love everybody, good. Maybe there's a new way of pivoting towards a new radical way of loving everyone that we haven't thought of before. Maybe it's conversations we've never had. Maybe it's embraces we've never had. Whatever it is, what is the pivot in our lives? Maybe it's being more vocal about our love. So Saul is persecuting Christians. But then in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, after his Damascus Road experience and his conversion to Christianity, pins some words that seem very contradictory and, and it shows you the extreme pivot that he took in his life, that took place in his life after that encounter with God at Damascus Road. I want, I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 20. And it, and it says this today. It says, Paul writes these words. It is so, like, feel the gravity of the pivot that took place. It says this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. So that I may win more. That's the goal of the kingdom of God no matter what so that I may win more. If I'm trying to win you to my opinion, I'm winning you to my kingdom. I'm not here to spread my kingdom. I'm here to spread the kingdom of God. He says, so that I may win more. Verse 20, to the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I may win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I may win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become, hear this, a man that persecuted these guys now is saying this, I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. A man, grab the pivot here. A man that was so adamant that Jesus was not the Messiah. So adamant that Jesus was not the Savior. So adamant that these guys had had it so wrong that he was killing, imprisoning, devaluing, putting de-worth on their lives, is now saying, I'll understand the way of the Jew. 
Because he's not saying, I'll become as in, I'll start doing everything you do and I'll be just like you and I'll just follow you and I'll just blindly do it. No, he's saying, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I will understand your life so that I might win some. He's saying, to the Jew, I'll sit down with you and I'll understand your life so that I can win the Jew. To the Protestant, I'll sit down and understand the life of the Protestant, of the Christian, so that I might win some. To the weak, I will sit down and hear of your weakness, and hear of your insecurities, and hear of your pain, so that I might win some. To the strong, I will sit down and understand and try to hear out your voice, so that I might win some. And here's what he says. Here's what he says. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. A man who was so adamantly passionate and zealous that this was not the way of life, that he was willing to do anything to eradicate it off the earth, is now saying, I will sit down and talk and understand and embrace ideologies of other people that I don't get, that I don't agree with. Why? So that I may win some because I do everything everything I walk I wake up I eat I talk I embrace I love for the sake of the gospel and here's what I love right so the apostle Paul makes a statement well how in the world does he make this statement how can he become all things to all people so that he may win some Jesus actually says it for us in John chapter 13 Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples and he's telling them where I'm going you cannot come I'm going to the right hand of the father and then he says this but what I'm going to leave with you is a new command that will change and transform the entire universe and I need you, you, the ones that can't go with me, the ones that are staying behind, I need you to carry this one thing out, this new ideology, this new uh, a command. And it's this, love your neighbor. And then Jesus makes this statement in verse 35. He says, and you will be known by your love. Wow. Jesus says, I'm, I got to go. I'm going to the right hand of the Father. And because I'm going to the right hand of the Father, you can't go with me. So I'm leaving you behind because there's a legacy you need to leave and be known by. And it's a one four-letter word, and it's love. Listen to me. Church, believer, person that doesn't believe, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me well. Black person, white person, Hispanic person, person in America, person across the ocean, it doesn't matter. I want you to hear me. There is one thing that we will be known by, and it is how we love, how well or how bad, but we will be known by our love. Love is this abstract thing that we think Hollywood made up to look and feel like a certain way. You don't always feel love, but you choose it. 
You act on it. You build disciplines on it. You will be known by your love. Paul can look now after hating and admonishing and wanting to eradicate the ideologies of Jesus. He can now look and go, I've experienced something called love that my Savior Jesus talked about. And I will be known by that love because I will become and understand and listen and feel the weight of the Jew, of the Greek, of the, of the Protestant, of the weak, of the strong. I will listen and feel the weight of their life so that I may win some. Why? Because I will be known by my love. And we have no love outside of Christ. I don't want to be known for my name. I, want, I don't even want to just be known by the church that I pastor. I don't want to just be known because of certain things that I do in my life, maybe a wealth that I adhere, uh, acquire, not buildings that we build. I don't want to be known for those things. Here's what I want to be known for. I want to be known because no matter what, Radiate Church was there. Brandon Goff was there. Brandon Goff embraced people. Brandon Goff let me know I matter. Brandon Goff loved. And the only way I can do that by encountering the love of Christ. Do you see the pivot that took place in Paul's life? Well, what? How does that kind of love change things? What does that kind of love look like? I'm going to walk you through it. It's actually a verse that you know because if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard it recited. But Paul did not write these words to be a wedding verse. He wrote these words to be a definition of what it looks like to be known by love. And I'm going to go through it fast. It's found in 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, and it's verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read the whole thing, and we're going to go back quickly. It's this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if you have the gift of speaking in tongues, if you speak eloquently with your tongue to people, but you don't have love, you're making noise and not making a difference. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, to deliver boxes of food, to donate boxes of food to United Way, to help people, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and, I sur- and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, he says, it profits me nothing. And then he explains love. Hear this. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag, is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Let's break down what love is because love is the change agent. Love is the active ingredient in, in, in the, the, the solution of love, of, of change. Love is patient. And if you go to the Greek and you read the word, it's this word, all rakeath. All rakeath. And here's what it means it means slow to speak. Love is slow 
to speak. John's, James chapter 1, verse 19 says that we are to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Love is slow to speak. How many times do we sit down to hear someone so that we can respond rather than to understand? Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Sometimes, hear me, in the climate we're in today... I just had this conversation with somebody. I'm afraid that we've lost the art of empathy and conversation and hearing and feeling the weight of someone else's heart because now we can sit behind a screen, say what we want to say with no repercussions and just delete the people off of our Facebook that don't agree with us. Love is patient. That means I go into it without a mind made up and I'm quick to listen. I'm slow to respond, I'm quick to listen, and I'm slow to get angry. Love is patient, it says love is kind. You know, let me go back to patient for a minute. Emotional reactions stem from a lack of self-control. Self-control, self-discipline is a fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient, love is slow. Love is slow to react in emotional situations. Emotional reactions stem from a lack of self-control. And if I have a lack of self-control in my life, I have a lack of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And so that means I need to ask God to allow the root of that fruit to get deep in my spirit to cause me to show the fruit of self-discipline, of slowness of patience. It says love is patient. Love is what? Kind. Love is kind. Kindness erodes when we devalue people. Kindness erodes when value disappears. When we don't believe that someone is valuable either to us in the moment, then we learn not to be kind to someone. That's our default in the moment. Think about it this way. How many times do, do people in society throw someone away to the wayside whenever they can't do what we want them to do in the moment because now they've lost value and so the kindness I have for them leaves and so now we have to talk about them and spread lies about them and 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 not understand them and not be um and we have to be condescending and we have to uh, um, uh, just eradicate their character and we have to do all these things why because kindness leaves because now they add no value to my life love is kind. Love is not jealous. Ephesians tells us this, to run the race set before you. Love is not jealous. Love does not look at the lane next to us as we run the race of life and go, I wish I could be that person. But love goes, I run my race and you run your race and I'll support you and cheer you as you run above in front of me or behind me. doesn't matter. I will support you and love you and cheer you on the whole way. But I'm running my race, you're running your race, and we're both going to get to the finish line. Love is not jealous. Love does not look at what someone else has and want it. Love does not look at what someone else has and devalues it. Because the very next thing is it says, love is not jealous, but then it says, love does not boast and is not arrogant. 
Do you know what pr- boast and arrogant is? It's pride. Pride, the Bible says, comes before a fall. fall. Why? Because now I have placed my value above everyone else's value that is around me, and now I'm better than anyone else. That's what pride is. Pride is the literal thought process that I am worth more than you are. And so it tells me that love is not jealous, so I don't look and want, but love also isn't so prideful that what you have ain't enough. My race is my race, not your race. Your race is your race, not mine. I can't run your race because I wasn't fashioned to run your race. I wasn't asked to run your race. I was asked to run my race, and I will do that. I will do that with, with passion and with vigor and with zealous uh, 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 just passion towards where I'm going. But I want you to finish your race, and I want you to finish it well, and I want you to finish it as fast as you can. I want to all get to the finish line at the same time, at the same finish line. But jealousy and pride keeps us from doing that. Jealousy and pride cause us to stick our foot out when somebody's running next to us and make them trip. Love is not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not jealous. Love, it also says, does not act unbecomingly. Or if you go and research the word, one of the substitute words there is, uh, love does not act dishonoring. It's one of our values here at Radiate Church. We honor up, we honor down, and we honor all around. Love is not dishonoring. Honor is the ability to treat someone at the level of their potential. We receive what we perceive. Maybe part of the reason everyone's rude to us is because we perceive everyone is less than. I'm here to tell you in my own life, as I increased my level of honor towards everyone in higher positions and lower positions, all colleagues and friends, when I began to learn the art of honor, it changed everything. Because I saw them different, I encountered them different, I received from them different, I received from God different. Because honor changes perspective. If you want to read a great book on honor, go read the book Honor's Reward by John Bevere. Amazing book on honor. Honor is love. And then it goes on and it says, love is not selfish. In other words, love, or what does the Bible say? The Bible says Jesus is love. And so if Jesus is love and love is not selfish, that means love is selfless. And so love is selflessly submitting myself to Jesus and selflessly living my life to spread his gospel, not my opinion. Not my opinion. Love is not selfish. Love is not about what I gain, but about what we gain. Love is not about what I can do, but about what we can do. Love is not about what I feel, but about what we feel. The Bible says that the body of Christ is, a, is like a body, and when one part mourns, the whole body mourns. Some of us refuse to mourn for people that are hurting right now, and we're looking at them and saying, you're not a part of the same body I am because when the body mourns, or when one part of the body mourns, I mourn, but I won't mourn, so you're not a part of my body. 
Guys, we've got to learn that we're in this place and it's not selfish. It's not about what I think. It's not about what I've been through. It's not about what I believe. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. And he loves people where they are, not because of skin color and financial equity, but because of the blood that runs through their veins. Love is not selfish. Love is not provoked by the past. If the past becomes my present, I will never experience God's future for me. If my past becomes my present, I may never experience God's future for me. I am not provoked. I do not hold the past to a place of action today. I look and say the past is the past, but there's a path moving forward. I want you to hear me today as we, as we navigate COVID-19, as we navigate racial equality, as we navigate um, um, economic things and political climates and everything seems to be on stinking edge right now. As we navigate all that stuff, I want you to hear me when I say that the past doesn't provoke us. There is a path forward and it's not the past. There's a path forward. And then, love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but loves the truth. Rejoicing in wrongdoing is literally celebrating somebody's mistake. Now, rejoicing in wrongdoing isn't just saying, hey, good job, great job, doing wrong. But it's sometimes turning an eye and going, ah, oh, it doesn't much matter. Sometimes it's when somebody misses the mark in the call of God on their life and we just refuse to bring it up and hold them accountable to it. But we love the truth. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So therefore, if I don't love truth, I don't get to the Father. Jesus is the truth. He's the truth of God. He's the truth of the kingdom. He's the truth of love. He's the truth in your life and my life and everyone else's life. And then it says this last thing, and I love it so much, and I'm closing on this. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So love literally carries weight. Love carries weight. Love is heavy. Love is hard. Love is a weight that we have to carry through our life. Whenever we don't feel like loving, we still choose to. Whenever we don't understand, we still carry a weight. We love, when we pick up the cross of Christ, we pick up the weight of love. Hear me again. When we pick up the cross of Christ, we pick up the weight of love. It bears all things. It carries all things. It says it bears all things, believes all things. That means love believes for the best. Always. Love has an optimistic point of view that we believe for the best. It believes all things. It hopes all things. So we hope for the better. Believing something and hoping for something is different. I believe something that's deep-rooted in me. If I hope for it, then I'm sitting back going, they, I'm vision now. There's vision being cast for what this, what I'm believing for, looks like. Hope is looking forward towards the vision. Hope um, is we are hoping and have a vision for something better. I've got a vision for a church and a society and a world that is better for my kids than it was for me. I got a hope. I got a vision for that. 
And then it says it endures all things. It pushes towards the goal regardless of what steps in front of it. Endures. Endurance is the ability to push through when you feel like quitting. Endurance is the ability to walk through no matter what stands before you. Endurance is the ability to wake up every morning and go, I'm tired, but we're going. Endurance is what gets you to the finish line of a marathon. Endurance is is what's going to get us all to the kingdom. Because remember what Paul said. He said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. So here's my charge today. What does all this mean? All this is this. If we as believers can't be pivoting enough towards love, what are we pivoting for? Perhaps, I want to challenge some things. This is something I've been thinking about. What if we build our lives to fulfill rules and regulations that man made while we forget the basic commandment of love that God gave? Let me say that again. What if we build our lives fulfilling the rules and the regulations that man made? I'm not saying any of that's bad. But in the process, we've forgotten to fulfill the command that God gave of love. There's one thing. This whole Christian thing is not hard. It's love. We love people. We love God. We love others. We love black. We love white. We love Hispanic. We love Indian. We love people that are in other countries. We love people in other states. We love people that make different amounts of money. It does not matter what economic status you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. We embrace and love anyway. This whole thing is a sin issue right now. It's a forgotten issue that there is one command that God gave, and it's this, love. And so our pivot, how do we thrive? How do we make a difference? How do we change the world? I just want to go back to John 13, 35. I just want to repeat what Jesus said. You will be known by your love. Paul made the pivot. Why? He went from persecuting to now involving. He went from excluding to now including everyone. Why? Because he encountered something that changed his life and it was called love. And I just want to say that this church, that this county, that this state, that followers of Jesus and kingdom people will be people that are known by radical love. And we will love. How do we do that? How do we do that? What do we do moving forward? I don't know. Just go love people this week. Have conversations you're afraid to have. Embrace people that you don't even understand. That's fine. You don't have to understand everybody to love them. You don't even have to agree with people to love them. In fact, the test of love is disagreement. Like, just love anyway. I've got a lot of people in my life I disagree with on things. Some of you are Clemson fans. I adamantly disagree with you. (laughs) But I love you. Some of y'all, that was a welcome laugh. Like, the truth is, is like, disagreement is the test of love. And if I can't pass the test of disagreement, I may not love to the extent that I think I do. Let's just go love, man. I don't know any other way to put it this week. Let's just go love people the way Jesus loves us. I want to pray with you right now.
I want to pray with you right now. And, and if you're going to give your heart to Jesus, this is the moment where we're going to pray that. And I just want in the middle of this prayer, you just to ask Jesus, forgive me of my past. Help me to live with you. I give you my life and I give you everything I have. I'm just going to pray salvation over people, and I'm going to pray love over people right now. Let's pray together. Father, we honor you, we worship you, we give you everything we have. And today, I believe it's a pivotal moment in society, in history, in church, in everywhere that we go, that we're just going to love, no matter race, economic status, situations, sin, we're just going to love people. It doesn't mean that we agree. It doesn't mean <coughs> that we tolerate. It means that we love God, there's people out there right now that want to give their lives to you, and they're praying this prayer. They're saying, forgive me of my sins, help bless, uh, redeem my future, and help me walk with you. I give you my life. God, for those people that are praying that prayer through Jesus, they give you their lives, they pick up the cross of Jesus, they carry the way to love. I thank you that you are saving their soul and bringing them into the kingdom of God. And you're not asking a prerequisite of how they were raised, what they look like, or the money they make. You are simply asking the prerequisite of are you submitting your heart, and that's it. And God, for all of us that are out there that give our lives to God, that live our lives to God, that are building the church and the kingdom of God in this area, I pray, God, that we would be agents of love. We'd spread love. We'd give love. We'd be who you want us to be no matter what. God, let us be known by radical love. That's why we serve. That's why we are generous with our finances. That's why we give uh, food to people that need it. That's why we uh, build ramps for people that need ramps. That's why we embrace people we don't understand. That's why we welcome people no matter what, because we love you. And because of that, we love others. God, let us be people that are known by our love, by our love. God, we honor you and we worship you in this day in your name. Amen. Radiate Church, this is, let this stop being a motto and let this be a life call for all of us. Let's go change the world. Let's go do it. Go out. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till tonight. Go love some people. Go change the world. Go spread the kingdom. We do all things for the sake of the gospel. I love you. Walk with me. Let's change the world. Love you guys. I'll see you next week.